perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled but now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves glory to you people 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today is the last Sunday before Pentecost. And we always, in the church, remember the Holy 318 Fathers who were present at the First Ecumenical Council in Nicaea. And at that council, they, among other things, were dealing with a priest named Arius who was teaching that because Jesus was begotten of the Father, he was not fully God. Because he was begotten of the Father, Arius said, there must have been a time when the Son of God was not. And so there was no doubt that he was fully human, but Arius was teaching that there was a doubt that he was fully God. And so the decision of the council was to say that the Son of God is of the exact same essence as the Father. That if the Father is truth, the Son is truth. If the Father is light, the Son is equal light. That He is begotten, but not created. Begotten before all ages. Obviously this sounds familiar because it's the first part of the creed that comes from Nicaea. And the reason why the church places the memory of these 318 fathers and this whole first ecumenical council on this, first, on this Sunday following the ascension is because the fathers of the church wanted us to remember that he who ascended from earth into heaven and was enthroned at the right hand of the, God, of the Father is fully God and fully man. And so it makes sense to place this memory of this council that decreed that he was fully God and fully man right together in the same week. And this is the reason. And I was going to, uh, all week long, I was thinking about how to talk about the fact that the church is so historical. That we are a church of the councils. That we are a church uh, that has holy tradition that gives us an unbroken continuity of biblical interpretation, of apostolic succession, of verifiable history of thought, of liturgical development that is really essentially unchanged from today all the way back to the apostles. But I'm not going to do that. Because something else happened this week, towards the second half of the week, that in my opinion trumps everything. And I have to share it. And some of you were there on uh, Friday night at St. Nicholas, and some of you were there uh, yesterday morning. And some of you who weren't there may have heard what happened, uh, but I think it's worth repeating for those of you who it might be repetitive, but to those who it's new, uh, pay very close attention because we every single day are filled with the ordinary and it can desensitize us to the extraordinary so that when we even see the extraordinary we're so desensitized that we don't recognize it for what it is and we wonder why in scripture and in history we see signs and wonders and miracles and why we don't necessarily see that today but in fact we do if we have eyes to see, hearts that are open, and 
ears to hear. So, those of you who know that Helen Mansager got very sick towards the uh, middle of the, the beginning of the week, actually, and she went and was checked into the hospital, and she developed sepsis, and things really got serious for her. Well, on Wednesday, she was uh, not in very good shape at all. And I was out visiting uh, with Ayuro, uh, people in the hospital. And I happened to go all the way out to Sunnyside Kaiser, which is off of 205. And I'm going to relate to you just a string of events that are providential. And I'm using that word because I know Father Timothy preached on providence last Sunday. So here is a sermon on one Sunday, and then providence unfolding in action during the week so that we can see it and recognize it for what it was. So I'm traveling along 205, merging with I-5, and I already knew that Helen was in the hospital. Uh, Alyssa's fiancé, Ben, was keeping me informed. And literally, just as I'm coming upon the exit for Meridian Hospital, Ben calls me. And he says, you need to go there, and you need to say prayers and be with Alyssa. And I said to myself, wow, I'm right here. Okay, I couldn't get off. I had to go to the next exit, turn around and go back. But I thought to myself, even at that moment... Lord, this is amazing because had I gone all the way to the church, I was filled with appointments the rest of the afternoon. And then I had the Ascension services and the Feast of St. Constantine and Helen. I would never have been able to go, but I was right there. So I pulled off and I went into the hospital room and she was sedated. She she had just been intubated and she was sedated, so she wasn't even really cognitively aware of my presence. But Alyssa was. And so we, we prayed all kinds of prayers. And I anointed her with holy oil. And I anointed Alyssa. And I gave her a big hug. And I said I would pray for them as I went to church for services. And I left. So little did I know that about an hour and a half later, while I was here at church, Father George who Helen, those of you who know or don't know, Helen was going to St. Nicholas almost on every Sunday basis for years and years, but had never become Orthodox. Okay? And so she knew Father George very well. She had connections and friends at the St. Nicholas community, so he went. And uh, while he was there, she was conscious and she was able to communicate a little bit by moving her lips and a little bit by shaking her head Uh, and uh, so he began to say prayers for her and then she coded she had a cardiac arrest while he was there and they were able to come in and revive her and after that first code Alyssa and father asked Helen whether she wanted to be baptized and brought into the church and she assented and so they quickly did that in an emergency way 
and shortly thereafter she coded a second time and never ever revived. Now, she was only 59 and I'm not saying that that's not a young death. And I'm not saying because it didn't happen quickly that it wasn't shocking to both Alyssa and to Edward, the other son, and to those who were family and friends and loved ones. But I have to tell you that we're all going to die. And if I were to script it, and I were to be baptized and then die immediately thereafter, that would be a pretty good end to my life. We don't get the script it. But that's how it unfolded for Helen. Who knows why all those years she was waiting. It's not certainly a case study for us to wait. But it is a sign that God does not abandon us. God loves us and He knows what we need. So as soon as I got out of church services... I walked over to my phone, because we have a lot of people who are sick, a lot of people who have had surgeries, a lot of people who are struggling. I looked to see if there were any messages, and all these texts, she died, she was baptized, and so I was just like, whoa. And I have to tell you something else, that by the time that she was baptized, we had already started our services here for the feast of St. Helen. So she not only had a Christian end to her life, but she was born from above and fell asleep on the day of her own feast. So add that to the script. And another thing that's very interesting is that sometime during all of this, the women's monastery in Safford, Arizona, which Alyssa and Helen had frequented very often because they came from Arizona before they moved to the Northwest. The Yerondisa, the abbess there, Michaela, she had come into her mind Helen and the Mansager family in a very dramatic way. And she had no idea why, but she began to pray for Helen and the family. So, after Helen fell asleep, and Edward arrived the next day, and they began to prayerfully work through funeral arrangements, both Alyssa and Edward felt very strongly that it was their desire to bury Helen at that monastery. But that monastery doesn't allow anybody to be buried there. Only benefactors and close, close friends of the monastery and, of course, the monastics themselves. So when they called Abbas Michaela to ask permission if Helen could be buried there, uh, the sisters told the children, Edward and Alyssa, the standard procedure. But they said, Let's go, let, me, let us go ask the abbess, because she makes all the decisions. So the sisters went and asked Abbess Michaela, and Abbess Michaela said, Whoa, I was just thinking of them on the day that 
Helen was struggling, was baptized, and fell asleep in the Lord. So I think it's God's will that we make an exception. And so she is on her way now by plane to be interred at the monastery where those sisters, from now until the second coming, will pray for her and her soul and for the mercy of God and for her eternal repose. So this is not ordinary, my dear brothers and sisters. This is where we mourn, but we mourn with a sense of joy that surpasses our sadness. Because we look at life sometimes right here on this level. But God looks at life from, if we would say, the 5,000 foot level. He looks at it from the eternal perspective. And He knew Helen's heart. Whatever was holding her back, He knew that this was the impetus that she needed. And so He allowed this. And do we not pray at every corporate service in the Orthodox Church for a Christian end to our lives? I think Helen had one. So I want your hearts to be filled with joy. I want you to continue to pray for her. But I also want you to see the extraordinary all around you and to realize that God does not abandon us. He loves us. He cares for us. And He is trying with every means that He has at His disposal to reach out to us and to connect that we can turn to Him in a profound way unto our salvation. And none of us knows when our last breath will be. We don't realize just how fragile life is. We take so much for granted. Let us learn from the lesson of Helen how quickly things can change and how ready we have to be to seize the moment that the Lord gives us. Every moment. So that when death meets us, we are ready and we have a Christian end to our life. So that we can spend eternity, eternity, forever and ever, in a state of fulfillment, of joy unspeakable, with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. May her memory be eternal.